Hi, I'm Laura Lawrence, and I'm a fiery redhead with a big heart and an even bigger vision to connect people through real and raw conversations. My journey started as an educator, but life threw me an unexpected curveball that took me on a messy but magical journey of discovering my way back to myself. Speaking from the heart cannot begin without first acknowledging my own privilege as a settler here on Treaty 6 territory, traditional homeland of the Cree, Soto, Dakota, Lakota, Diné, and Métis people. On my journey of learning and unlearning, I will forever be grateful to a man named Perry, a residential school survivor who first opened my eyes and broke open my heart to the undeniable truths that he and so many other Indigenous people experienced right here in this province of Saskatchewan and our country of Canada. Acknowledgement of pain is where our journey of healing all begins. Whether you're here to recharge, reconnect, or just escape for a few minutes from the noise and heaviness of life, there's something here for you. So pull up a chair, let's laugh, let off some steam, and grow into the next version of ourselves together. Welcome in Heart Talkers. I am so incredibly excited about today's episode. I believe we meet people by divine design and that we cross paths with other souls for a reason and in the exact season we need it. It has been a few years since I hit send on an email that landed in Marty Pillar's inbox, the executive director for Dr. Jody Carrington. So much has happened since that first email, <laughs> and I am honored to have both uh, Dr. Jody Carrington and Marty Pillar join me on this Heart Talk episode today. Dr. Jody Carrington is a renowned psychologist sought after for her expertise, energy, and approach to helping people solve their most complex human-centered challenges. Jody focuses much of her work around reconnection, the key to healthy relationships and productive teams. As a best-selling author, speaker, and leader of Carrington and Company, Jody uses humor and all she's learned in her 20-year career as a psychologist to empower everyone she connects with. In her latest book, Feeling Seen, which you'll find a link to in the show notes for today, she dives into what it takes to reconnect a disconnected world. Jody's message is as simple as it is complex. We are wired to do the hard things, but we were never meant to do any of this alone. Marty Pillar, the executive director of Carrington & Company, is an entrepreneur and mother who leads with her heart first. Marty's a gentle, brilliant soul with the most infectious smile. I've come to know Marty as a friend from afar and love the grounding and nurturing energy she offers when in her presence. I invited both Jody and Marty to join me today as I continue to be inspired by their partnership and evolution as bold and successful businesswomen, paving new paths in the entrepreneurial space for other women. I'm so excited to have them both in the podcast studio today to talk about all matters of the heart. 
let's um let's dive in. So at Heart in the Heart Talk podcast, we focus on um, the three pillars of what I believe are the foundations of all matters of the heart, which is connection, conversation, and community, which you are an expert at, Jody. Um, I've learned so much from having you as a role model as an author and as a speaker. And Marty, I mean, I just think that the the working relationship that the two of you have is amazing. So let's begin, though, before we dive into all that with a simple question, simple but really complex. Who are you at the heart of who you are? Ooh. You go, Jody. Um, You know, it's so funny. We just did this exercise this morning because we're trying to, like, redefine everything that we do. But I think, um, I think as a person, I really am somebody who is just so, so in awe of this life that I get to live. And, um, I think I'm fucking hilarious. And I think mostly, I think that in my own head, and I think that, uh, I have a massive, massive responsibility. And sometimes I get overwhelmed by that sometimes, but I think that, um, I, I just really can't get over, um, many days, just how, um, sacred this trip uh, on the earth has been for me. So what would your kids say about who you are? Like, how would they describe you? Like in three words, what would they say? Um, they would say, <laughs> they would say funny and they would say uh, kind and they would say uh, loving. All of those, 100%. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, Marty, who are you? And also, the kids these days is a lie. So, also that I'm a fraud. So, could you add that there in the end? Sorry, go ahead, Marty. <laughs> well, actually, you know what? This is funny. This is a good time to share this. Uh, the other day, I was going through some text messages from the 14 year old because that's what you do after I heard your podcast, right? With the police officer, I'm a little more diligent following up. He called me a Karen. So he's texting his friend. He's like, my mom is such a Karen. She is limiting my app time and checking my phone. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Good job. It's your job, mom. Yeah. It's um, my job. I would say I am at the core of me. I'm a small town girl. I'm kind and caring. I can feel people. Um, which is super interesting. I, and I'm a connector. <laughs> and as for what my kids would say about me, oh, this is a hard season for that. <laughs> Mine are, wouldn't be as loving and mushy as Jody's. Mine would be embarrassing. Um, I embarrass them. I am, I think that they would say nice because they don't have a deep language of emotion, I would say. come, And then they would say, they would say loving and she's a good cook. That's what they would say. <laughs> oh, a good cook. I know. I see your stories. I, I, I cannot claim that claim to fame as a good cook. No, my kids would, but isn't that the truth? It depends on the season that we are in of parenting and the season of life, what our loved ones would say about us. I invited both of you on this podcast together because I, as a woman in business and someone who's been following the two of you and getting to know you, on a little bit of a deeper level, it's been so inspiring to see the vision and the growth that you've both built together. You have this synergistic, beautiful relationship that is not easy to come by. 
I think. It's not easy to come by to find somebody who you can be in a working relationship and a friendship with where you can still authentically grow. So I want to say thank you to both of you for for being those pillars of inspiration for other women in business. Two things. How did you meet? And then how do you complement one another? You go, Mark. Um, I'll let Jody tell the story about how we met um, because she does a better job. So every time I go to tell it, she cuts in anyway because she does a better job. So <laughs> I'd say we complement each other because we're very different. I like the background. I like supporting people. Not that she doesn't like that. That's that's the wrong way. Um, but she's very creative, very brilliant, likes to be on the stage. And I support her with all of those things. And she's got an amazing mind and I learn from her every day. And so I think we've grown really well together because we are still growing ourselves. Both of us love to learn new things and take in knowledge. So I think the fact that neither of us is stunted in terms of learning to grow is a big part of it because we both push each other to learn and be accountable and acknowledge our strengths and our weaknesses. And um, yeah, so I think. What would you say that um, Jody would say is a strength of yours? Organization. <laughs> I need a Marty. I need a Marty. Not always, but Marty. usually. <laughs> is it my turn? Mm-hmm. She's so much better at speaking than me. So we're yeah, just- uh, hardly stop it. Okay. So here's the thing that I think is so interesting. Um, so we met, um, I wrote about this in kids these days because it was such a pivotal moment that, you know, so many times when big things happen in our worlds, we don't know it was a big thing until after. So Marty and I knew of each other. We're both, our husbands both grew up in this town that we're now raising our children in. And Marty, I think was more familiar with the community than I was. And so when I first moved here, we had three young babies all under three. And so I was like looking to connect to, you know, I, I found a little gym and, you know, would go out to, you know, I don't know, dinners or try to meet people or whatever. And so Marty was sort of in that mix, but I always quite quiet. Our kids are very similar age. So we would, you know, I would see her at things or preschool events or whatever the deal is. And then one day, um, you know, we had a nice conversation, I think, you know, about something I remember Marty on that, on the street when I was telling you about my most embarrassing moment and you had Tommy in the stroller and like, whatever. And I was just like, she listened to my story and she thought I was so funny. So I was like, fuck, I need to spend more time with her. And then, um, Then we were in a uh, scorekeeper doing the scorekeeper clock because our boys, our oldest boys were on the same hockey team. And um, you just got assigned with somebody in that particular season. And so like eight o'clock in the morning, we're in this like cold arena and I don't have a fucking clue what's going on. I often say this, like, I don't even have the bra on. I don't know where my kid is. Marty is organized. Uh, Her husband's the coach. Uh, She has printed off things. She knows how to run the score clock. And I'm like yelling through the little hole at my baby and she's like, no, 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 like, here's how we do it. And I was like, oh, my God, I really need somebody like you. And she's like, oh, that's funny. And I said, no, really, like, I, I'm a disaster most days. And, you know, I have this practice, but, you know, things are kind of all over the map. And I, you know, whatever. And she's like, well, I, you know, I have a background in business. And, you know, I, let's chat. And I was like, really? So then, you know, I think we texted each other the next day and sat down and met for a coffee. And, um, you know, she started two half days a week. Yeah, was two, it? Half two half days a week. And then, um, you know, she bring Tommy because Tommy was, you know, our, our babies were three, I think, when when Marty started two or three. 
Yeah. And, uh, and so then she would come to the office a couple of days a week. And, um, you know, that's evolved over the years, obviously. Um, I think that, you know, to Marty's point, I think the, it is so true that we are, we complement each other so well because her strengths are everything, um, I'm not in, in some ways and, and wish that I was. And I think, it, you know, the vice versa is true. And I think we bring out the best in each other in that way. I think that it's really easy in a, in, in most, in most corporate places, there's a bit of a hierarchy, right? Like if you are running the company, if you're the forward facing person, um, you become the most important. And I think that that always was something in my head too, about like, okay, I'm running this ship. Like if I go down, the whole place is fucked. Like I really have to be the most important in this process. And I think what I quickly learned about Marty is that I am so much better when she's better. And that both of us, I don't think knew how great we were until we met each other. Wow. And I think like, I remember thinking about how important it was to be Marty's biggest fan. And the more I was that, the more she rose. And I had so many moments of doubt and like what happened and you know, Marty wasn't like a relentless, like that was amazing. No matter what you do, you're amazing. She would be able to be like, that was really fucking good, but here's how we got to do things a bit different. Yeah. And I remember just being so taken back with her in that, like she had no, there was no threat, I think, which was also really important. Mm -hmm. She had no desire to do what I did. She just wanted it to be better for us. Mm -hmm. And so that left, I think, our relationship open from day one to be so authentic and vulnerable. And like, there was no sense that I wanted to be her. She wanted to be me. We just really like coming together. Could we make something great? Mm -hmm. I also think what's critical is our kids are similar ages and our husbands don't necessarily love each other. So we don't spend a lot of time outside of mm -hmm. work. And I, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, they're, they're kind humans. They both coach hockey. Yeah. They both love the same things in life, but they're 10 years apart. They have their different friendship groups. And so we don't holiday together all the time. We don't, um, you know, spend a whole whack of time together outside of work. But Marty and I spent so much, I probably spend more time with Marty than I do with my family mm -hmm. um, in the run of the week. Like I would say Marty knows me better than probably anybody in this world. And I would argue the same for you. Um, yeah. You boss of that but like I would say that like there are moments where you know and both of our husbands comment about this you know I was talking to Marty's husband the other day we were at his birthday party and um you know and he's like oh my god how have you guys done you haven't talked for six days like this is ridiculous <laughs> like are you are you gonna be okay and so they both really respect that and love that about us and I think you know yeah. both our husbands respect each other so very very much like Aaron adores Marty and I think mm. Matt resents me slightly but he also adores uh me <laughs> in this message so much I often tell the story and I think it's in feeling seen where like one of the first messages like I remember sitting with Matt going like do you know what you have here and I was like what do you mean he's like do you know how great this could be and so I think the boys also believed in us and they are 100% supportive of us our growth um, mm -hmm. I think there's still lots of pushback and whether, you know, we are collectively more successful than they are. We don't like to tell them that, but I think that, um, I think that, you know, there is this 
change of the guard that is also interesting. Both of our husbands grew up in a place where, um, you know, the, the the primary breadwinner was the dad and they worked really hard. Like uh, many of us grew up in that way. So this first season of shifting is really interesting to watch, but I think we really been lucky because not only are we great fits collectively, our villages are. I love all of that. And as I'm listening, I'm like, I mean, it gets lonely as a woman when you enter motherhood, when you, if you're a woman in business, entrepreneurship, you could be surrounded by all of the women in, you know, I, my husband said to me, Laura, you're so social, you have all these, yeah, but there are so, so many times where it feels so lonely and to have somebody who, yeah, sees you, feels you, hears you, knows you better than anyone else. And to have that person on that path with you, I think what a sacred, special thing. I'm so, so happy for the both of you that you have that um, relationship that you've obviously both worked hard at as well. I mean, it doesn't just, you know, fall from the sky. Yeah. But, but I also think it's really important like to know, right. Like that, uh, you know, also we have our, our, differences or stuff like and I think we're really in a season two of trying to to respect each other's spaces right of of figuring out you know what does that mean to be a business partner uh, a boss mm-hmm. um somebody who can take charge like Marty you know we, we've had some of the biggest conversations are I'm scared of you when you talk like this um mm-hmm. you know how do we respect that I think it's also like I think you know the other version we we often compare ourselves to I think in this country is cat and nat like there's there's no way that we spend that much time together that which I mean it works beautifully for them but like it's not all fantastic Mm -hmm. and I think that you know that being said I also have to say like I can count the number of times we fought on on one hand and like I mean really fought or I really felt hurt by her or know that I really hurt her it's been like that's sacred to me like I will I will do nothing that will put her in harm's way and I think that's that's really rare for women yeah I would agree I would agree and I think to your point when you said too the reason it works well so to or together so well is that there's no competition she doesn't want to be you you don't want to be her um you complement each other's strengths and weaknesses so I'm curious uh where you where you are now is that where you envisioned when you were a child like is this what you wanted to do when you when you grew up I didn't know this existed I would say, um, to be perfectly honest, um, we didn't see women doing this kind of thing when I was a kid. We, and growing up in a really small town of 500 people in Northern Saskatchewan, like you were, women were teachers, admin assistants, waitresses, nurses. There was no sense of business mind skill. Um, so no, I didn't envision this as a kid. I thought I was going to be a teacher. And I would, I would say if I wasn't working with Jody, I would probably go get my bachelor's of education. I love being with kids. Um, so yeah, I didn't envision this, Laura, and I love it. And I think it's amazing. And I love business so much, like this business so much, because we learn so many different things. Every every year, we're like, we're just going to slow down a little bit and not take on anything new. And then we're like, hey, how about a podcast? So we learn how to do that. And then, oh, no, we're not going to do, we're going to launch a shop. Oh, we're not going to. It's been like so awesome because we just keep pivoting and learning and growing. And so I didn't imagine this. and. I'm, I also think that that's the magic part of it. 
Yeah. And that's what I love about watching the two of you is it gives permission to pivot because I think so often, I remember when I decided to leave my teaching career, my dad almost had a stroke. He just could not get his head wrapped around why on earth I would leave something so secure that offered such financial stability. And I have pivoted numerous times. And I think nothing pisses me off more than when someone's like, oh, you're doing something else now. And it's almost like I take it to an offense. Like, yeah, because I'm a big dreamer and a creator. And I love that, that, yeah, we're going to open a shop. We'll try some. Let's do it. To, to be able to empower other women, the two of you, to follow our dreams, even if they change, that we don't have to be anchored to one dream, one job, one career, that we can be all the things, even though it can be exhausting. I thank you both for that. I really do. Well, and I just, I listened to Jim Carrey's speech at a college graduation again just yesterday, and it means so much to me when he says, you can take the safe route like his dad did and become an accountant because his dad Mm -hmm. could have been an amazing comedian. His dad got let go from that safe job. So you can either be safe and still be let go or dream big and not know what happens. So I just loved his thoughts there, and I think that that's so true. And I think... And I, and I don't want to downplay like our husbands had also gave us a lot of permission to dream big. Um, so they also helped us in a lot of ways. Like we were secure at home because we knew we could take off and do things that we might break even on, um, just to spread the message. But also, you know, we were in a, we were stable at home. So we also have a little bit of a luxury there. I think that, um, a lot of people might not. So yeah. I feel that too. I often say the only reason why I could do what I'm doing is because I have that safe fallback. I think it's a privilege. And I think, you know, I think that's the thing that we try to talk about a lot is then how do you use it? Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, people who are successful as single parents or who have survived marginalization. I mean, we're two white, straight, able-bodied women. We are significantly privileged and we are both at this moment uh, in relationships. And so the ability to care for our six children um, means, you know, we have family systems in place to do that. And so there's a lot of time where I think we talk about shame and guilt and like, how did we get so fucking lucky? Um, We can spend some time in there, which I feel is quite debilitating. And what we often talk about is the importance of then, okay, then let's fucking use it because Mm -hmm. more than anything, we have six kids that we're going to show what it looks like to be a powerful woman, what it looks like to be a, you know, a a partner in a company, a CEO of a company, um, what it looks like to navigate um, role changes between men and women or um, marital partners. Like this is all an experiment in real time of how we change the roles of people. And and I often think about what a privilege that is and that um, it is then, you know, a a responsibility, I think sometimes to, Mm -hmm. to be able to take that on wholeheartedly. And there may be significant fallout from that in so many ways, but what matters the most is what my kids think about this experience, which really then, you know, sort of smallens that world to, you know, where does the impact matter the most? And if we're doing a good job for each other, with each other, uh, we're respecting the wishes for the most part of our partners. And then really we can say at the end of the day, you know, that our kids would still continue to say, um, I'm proud of you. I'm amazed. Mm -hmm. This is great. And, you know, maybe, you know, I wish you were home more. I think many kids would say that, but I also feel like, um, my kids will not be able to say, I didn't watch you go for it. 
Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's, that's, that's the thing I, I don't ever want them to say, because I can't tell them to chase their dreams and be anti-racist and kind and grow and learn and unlearn if I'm not doing it. And so I think that, you know, one of the things that I really respected growing up in a small town, you know, was watching all the potential that my grandmothers had, that my mother had. And even as I reflect back now, like I, I would have loved to see them in this time because um, they were great in their own rights and powerful women on the farm. And, you know, you know, my mom, you know, ran a couple of different businesses, but always under the auspices of my father. And I think that, you know, I'm, I'm, I feel really lucky to sort of have this privilege and I say this all the time on stage, so then we better fucking use it. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think that's what we remind ourselves sometimes when it gets overwhelming and exhausting and, you know, are we failing our babies? Are we failing our marriages? Um, You know, are we good to our own bodies? Um, you know, and there's always the price that comes with this. It's never an end game. You don't arrive at, okay, we are evolved. Um, we're healthy. We're doing good for our bodies. We're what, like, what, we're not like, it's a constant, um, process, but like, fuck, I love that I'm doing it with Marty. I mm-hmm. love that, you know, we're figuring this out together. Like, you know, we just had a, a strategy meeting, um, which is such a fun evolution for us because this is probably like the eighth iteration of this brand since we've been together and we've had these conversation again and again, like, you know, okay, so what's your mission? What's your vision? Who do you stand for? Who's your ideal client? All those things. And we've done that with like our best friends who like sort of knew about it because they read a book. We've done it then with, you know, somebody that we hired that used to be successful in agriculture. So he took us through it and then we hired someone, you know, and now this is like, you know, came highly recommended as strategist in Toronto, which feels very fancy. And um, she's just kicking our vaginas. And I, I really, really love it because it's like really digging deep in terms of, you know, and just watching Marty today, like we were talking about you know, that it's really this idea of, of not worrying about anybody else other than who we're speaking to in this moment. And if we can remind them that they have the capacity to be really powerful, getting back intuitively to the best sense of themselves, then we will infinitely have the power to change the world. And then Marty's like, and it's a circle, right? So like, if you don't do that, we can't do this for this brand. And I was like, you know what? Fuck off. <laughs> so, um, but like, do you, do you understand? Like it is mm-hmm. so much fun to watch the iteration of it all. Um, and and I think that I just, oh my God, Laura, I feel like this all the time. Like, I feel like we're just getting started. Yeah. Like I, I feel a little bit like I, I had this moment where I thought feeling seen was our swan song. Like, and it was really like Marty, I think we're having this conversation, maybe Marty and Jeff were, that were like, um, uh, no, no, no. Like, this is the beginning. And I was like, I don't have anything else to say. Like, I can say that a few hundred other ways. And then we've stepped into this next strategic process. And I was like, what about intuition? What about boundaries? What about, what about like, if we're really focusing at home, we will be the people who actually then walks the Iranians and the Gazans through the multiple generations of trauma that we're going to come from that. Like, I need to make our babies fantastic here so that we can heal. Like, you know, so I, I love, I love, I love, I love uh, so much about it. And it's so, just wait, I have one more thought. It's also so seasonal. So this is a moment where I feel like the creativity is coming back, but I will tell you over the holidays, I slept 13 hours a day. I felt like the laziest piece of shit you can ever imagine in your life. I drank three bottles of wine a day and I would like deliberately eat chocolate even when I didn't want it because I was like, pretty soon I'm not going to get it. And it's like, I, I, this is, I think in this season, almost in my fifties. Hey, what, what? 
Is it too much? No, that's impressive. <laughs> I didn't know. I'm... Like, wow. <laughs> and so now, just for the record, I worked out on a Peloton three days, almost died. I, I saw. Now, I, I saw. take aspirin. I take aspirin with me because I feel like I'm going to have the big one right there on the old Pelly. Anyway. From the so, chocolate. <laughs> it's hard to wear up fucking 60 pounds of toffee bay in three days. Okay. But you but know, I want it. to speak to the, the rest and the pause, I was just telling Marty before you hopped on my podcast guest today, Colin Jackson, the physical trainer I've been working with uh, for the last five months. I've never been stronger. I'm the heaviest I've ever been, but I'm the strongest and I am just the most well I've ever been. And he talks so much about, and I think it's easier to speak. And he says it, I'm, I speak from a, um, you know, a perspective of a male. He said, you know, where I, I am wired different and women, the permission to pause, we, we aren't as apt to hit that button. Yeah. But he said, if you aren't pausing, then you're not growing. I mean, you can't get to the best version of your business, of your brand, of yourself, of your family. If you don't take those regular pauses, you know, sink in which is so foreign to me and is so um because all I can hear is my dad coming up the steps uh at the farm and it like I remember laying on the couch like at the end of the day at school or whatever if I heard him come up I was like Whoa! Mm -hmm. and you know like I had a list of things that I was like and I did this and I did this and I did this right like it was always that sense of like don't you fucking be lazy yeah and I rest is synonymous with laziness and I feel so guilty that the rest doesn't work. Do you understand? Yeah. The, the guilt debunks the rest. And right. so doing that on purpose, like, I feel like that even more like when, when you're like, okay, I'm doing this and this and this, but I'll be back by this time. Or I'm like, don't worry, I'm working from home or like whatever, right? Like there, there is an, and like, I get it too. Like, it's also like, okay, like uh, what, I, what is happening? What are we doing? Like, are we good? Are we, well, well. And I think there's no, like, I feel like there's a very small, a very small language for the importance of rest. Mm -hmm. And this, this time, like this season for the first time, I think you've told me this Marty, where like, you know, when it's like not very dark, like, you know, when we get daylight savings time or whatever, and it's like, wow. Like hibernation, like winter mm -hmm. is the time mm -hmm. to refuel for. As I never thought like about that. Body. Yeah. Our yeah. body should follow the sun. Cause I always remember my dad, my, my parents being like, fuck, there's no daylight. Like, what are we going to, how are we going to get things done? Like, it feels like we should be in bed at seven. And then Marty was like, yeah, because the universe reminds you that you will not be able to serve and enjoy all the joy that the sunshine will bring unless you stink. And I was like, fuck, I never thought about it that day. Like such permission, you know, like we would wake up on the holidays, you know, like it's eight o'clock and I'm like, fuck, it's still dark outside. And I would be surprised that it was eight, like to sleep till eight is asinine in my world. And just doing that now is like, whatever. And then I wanted more of that. And then I could have a two hour nap, even when my iron is fine. Yeah. I really loved being anemic because it was like such permission. Isn't that true? I've talked to so many women and I'm one of those. It's like, if, unless I'm sick and cannot get out of bed, I mean, that's permission to rest. And, and I grew up in a similar family. I remember like if my dad came in, we heard the door, it was like, you, you had that. And you know what, interestingly enough, but not, and you talk about this, um, I have some of the similar patterns. So my kids will say the same as soon as they see me drive down, you know, 
the driveway or they hear me open the door. They're like, oh, what should we do before mom gets home? Like what, what has to be done? And, and I, feel- I kind of like it. I'm like, get up. And I think I might have used that word lazy this morning um, to one of my family members, like get up and work like Jesus. It is already 8 a.m. I've been up since five. I listened to Les Hewitt speak once. Have you ever listened to him? He he co-authored Chicken Soup for the Soul with Jack Canfield, mm-hmm. a couple of them. Anyway, I listened to him probably 15, 20 years ago at a professional development thing. And he, I'll never forget it. And the reason why is because I find rest so hard. He said, if you are an entrepreneur, a business owner, or even a mother, somebody running a household, if you are not actively planning a rest every quarter, like a big one, like a week, seven days, if you're not actively doing that, do that now. If you're not actively planning a rest every week, one day. It's going to be, you know, your rest day or a portion of it and and actively plan a part of every day. And I thought, well, that sounds like a lot of freaking wasted time to me less like that is productive time. So I, I'm curious too, Marty, do you feel the same wiring or programming for rest or is it easy for you to sink in? And I am a wonder sleeper. <laughs> As Jody, I am um, I I need rest and I know I do. Um, but my mom and aunts and everybody are very much like that. Um, so I was never, I was never, it was never a bad thing if I slept in. Never. It was always like, you need rest. Rest is the best medicine. And ask Jody, I like never get sick. Like mm-hmm. knocking on wood everywhere right now, but like a 5 a.m. is asinine to me. <laughs> That's my best Where the work magic time. happens. Yes, Marty, that like, is the best work time. <laughs> like 8 a.m. to me is perfect. Yeah. Um, that's like a norm for me. And um, but yeah, like once I'm up and working, then I'm like, like Jody said, like I'm at home working, like I'm working, like I go hard and then I crash. Like I I don't waste any time within my day. There's no mm-hmm. so yeah, but I'm a firm believer in rest and downtime. Do you know what else Marty's really good at too, that I've just started is like, she's a good reader. And I, I think that I've really started switching that instead of scrolling Instagram, reading a book and not like, it doesn't matter if I can get like, it's almost a bit like meditation. If you get lost in somebody else's story, like I'm reading demon Copperfield right now by, um, or or Copperhead, I'm sorry, by um, Barbara King solver. It's like the heaviest foster carry trauma laden, but I sink into demon story. And instead of like going through everybody else's shit, I feel like my rest is so much better because stopping that, like, so we are doing renovations in this moment, but there is a rule. As soon as our charging station is done, everybody charges their shit in the kitchen. And Aaron and I had like a knockdown, my personal husband, a knockdown shoot him out about this the other day. He's like, it's my alarm. I keep it by my bed. I'm like, no, like we cannot do that. And it's like, okay, if fine, let's, if this is going to be hard to do every single day, then like, absolutely not on the weekdays. How about that? Like, can we, can we do that? Because I'm, I am as guilty as like, I, Libby came into my bed. My daughter came into my bed this morning at like three or something like that. So I was sort of awake and making sure she's okay and all the things. And instead of just rolling over, I was like, oh, I saw there was a notification on my phone. 20 minutes later, I had scrolled a bit and you know, whatever, because it's kind of quiet and I'm I'm like, it's kind of fun to see what's happening. And I can kind of get a little ahead on a couple of fuck like what that does to your neurophysiology is asinine 
Mm-hmm. And so how do we like on purpose protect those things? Because we're using the numbness of not paying attention to other people's because I think also what I want to be careful about is, is sleep is often sometimes an escape. And so yeah. when do we sort of navigate the difference between trying to escape from the world or be mm-hmm. present in it? And I think that sometimes, you know, we, we know like with significant depression, for example, right? Like if you sleep all the time, you can't motivate yourself. That's not typically where Marty is, but it's mm-hmm. like, it, it, there is a necessity to rest well. And so some routine around that place, I'm just being like, please know that like, this is me saying it, not actually doing it, but I'm very conscious of setting myself up well for that rest period. And even the last, like over the holidays, I've read two novels and it's changed the way I fucking think about things. Mm -hmm. It makes me tired instead of makes me, you know, I want to see what the next, what, uh, 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 It is and like, just, and he knows if I forget a book on the road, I have to buy one. Like I yeah. can't not read before bed. It just shuts, it shuts off my business mind and everything. Like I can actually sleep because I'm not thinking about my to-do list or where the kids have to be in the morning or any of that. It really does slow it all. And it's funny, Joe, because during Christmas, I haven't even chatted to you about this, but like the first 10 days of being off, I slept so much, like had naps. And I still, I said to Matt on our way to Panorama, I'm like, I don't know what's wrong with me. Like I can't, I'm still not, not tired. Like Mm -hmm. what's wrong? I was like worried about the depression state. (laughs) And then it was like three days later, And I got up at 6 a.m. on my own and I was like, here we go. Mm -hmm. And so I get what you're saying, Laura, about that one week. I could totally get behind that because then when I am tired, waking up at 6 a.m. isn't a fucking big deal. And for me to say that is like eight being my norm. But like on a weekend, like nine feels good because I'm also catching up from the week. Um, But yeah, like I, I completely understand that. Yeah. Yeah. I like same thing. Like I'm not a napper. Well, sorry, that's so wrong. I am a napper, but I like two hours, like I would lay down, read a little bit of this like newfound thing that I discovered books. And I would then like fall asleep two hours later, wake up. And like my husband, a couple of times was like, are you okay? And I'm like, I don't fucking know, dude. Like I, and so we would play games, eat Morse chocolate, and then I would be ready for bed at 10 o'clock. And I, I'm shocked. Like I was like, okay, good. Like clearly I'm going to be able to stay up now when like we can rock and roll. And you know what? I was like, nope, thanks. I'm out. And it was just like interesting. Like I even had the same conversation with Aaron. I was like, I think I need to do blood work again. Like it, this feels like not anemia, but it, it was like, is, uh, is my iron low again? Like what's happening? But like, I think we just underestimate how much in this first lifetime, we are the first generation of parents that have had access to social media. Mm-hmm. We are brains. Like I didn't have a computer in grad school. Yeah. Okay. Like, and I'm not that fucking old. I'm 48 years old. But what has happened in our respective bodies in the last 20 years, the inundation of data, we are not primed for it. We have no script for it. I mean, our babies, unfortunately, are in a place where screens are their norm. They have like, so there'll be some physiological sort of adaptations that will have to happen neurophysiologically, but we're like constantly inundated. And I often feel motivated when I'm driving, okay, get a podcast. Like to just sit and listen to music feels just a little bit too much laziness. If I'm going to use this time, I'm going to make these two calls. I'm going to catch up with Marty. I'm going to make sure I call Jeff and we have our meeting because then when I get back, I don't have to do that tonight. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it. Right. Like I don't, I don't 
build in. It's never downtime. Like yeah. even when we're cooking, it's like listening to an audiobook mm-hmm. or whatever. There's no time to just sit and sink in. Like you said, listening to music and just like letting go on a car ride, right? There isn't that anymore. And we have to make time for it. It's just something that I think you and I are both more and more coming into um, because we have hit, I think, so tired yeah. that so many women hit. <laughs> you know what else I noticed even women. in this last season, like because we're together often on the road is like, I remember this really distinctly, like right before Christmas, we drove out from Toronto to like um, some somewhere, it, like it's an hour and a half car, right? We didn't speak a word. There was nothing on. And I was like, I remember thinking in my head, like how comfortable that was, like, not like it, I needed to fill the space, but just how necessary both of us just needed to be with our thoughts on that particular day. And I just think like how much that's going to become important. And this whole thing of meditating is something that I'm so fucking mad about, but I know how necessary it is. Mm. But I like, even I like, I'm so proud of myself. If I can take five deep breaths and not think about anything like that's it. Like that's my bar right now. Right. It's like, okay, after you do, can you just. Well, I saw that you went to a sound meditation, a crystal singing bowl therapy. I do that. I, that's what I, the meditation classes I offer here, because that's the only thing for me that will get me out of the busy brain, the frequency, the the sound. It is divine. It's glorious. It is so, so beautiful to sit in that music. Yeah, you feel a release. I I mean, I've had a, an emotional release twice, big emotional releases during these types of practices because in my day job, I, I do the mind-body connection stuff, yeah. And I remember vividly during one yoga practice bawling like a complete baby because the movement of my body and the specific stresses she had us do just somatically released so much tension and emotion I'd been holding on to. It was so cathartic and to speak also to you saying you know you remember the time that you drove home in silence i often do that after a speaking event or if i've hosted a women's empowerment event or even a small get together i will drive home in complete silence and the older i get the more the less noise and i have the capacity to hold and i don't know if that's just my brain or being a mom of four but do you find that the older we get you know the, the less nonsense we actually kind of put up with and the more we find what is really true for us um, and that silence, that space of like sinking. And I think also, you know, you said the winter, winter solstice was December 21st. So mm-hmm. I, I've worked with this beautiful woman who has taught me to to follow the cycles of the seasons, but also the cycle of my menstrual cycle of when to create and when to rest. That has been phenomenal that when you're ovulating, you know, um, that's your creation time. When you're menstruating, that's your rest time, your release time. I thought, this is pretty and weird, but it sounds like it could be something. It is. It's amazing. I love learning this type of thing. And we're working with an amazing woman named Chatel Story. And she has really opened my eyes to paying attention to those things, mm-hmm. Laura, because I have never like your creative days and your your tired days. And I remember I said to you, Jody, right before Christmas, because mine were right before Christmas. And I was like, I am so tired this week. Like I was like, pregnant, tired, you know, when you're pregnant, tired, and you just like, can't even function. And um, yeah, I was like pregnant, tired. And I was like, Oh, my God, what is happening? And then I look back at my notes from Chatel. And yeah, it's my tired period. And and you're right, it goes along with 
your, yeah, with everything. All the cycles. And if we just, if we take a moment to just connect the breath to the body, which for me, often I don't do because I know all that's stored there and I don't have time to deal with it. It's not time to talk about the trauma or the conflict or the things I'm holding on to. So I'll just get and keep working. (laughs) And I, to speak to also what you speak on, Jody, I think that's so relevant now more than ever to women is the, um, the roles. You know, how now more than ever we can do anything, be anything, but that doesn't come without some, um, like some resistance, some tension. You know, we can be everything, but at what cost? And when is it? And when, for me, like I said to my husband the other day, uh, he actually said, I don't even think you'd want to be a stay-at-home mom. Don't tell me what I want to (laughs) be. Yes, I can if I want. I can if I want. But, you know, the truth is, you know, every time something stings a little bit, I know that there's an element of truth to that. Yes, yes, yes. And he wasn't saying it out of a space, you know, anything unkind, but just that you're a creator, you want to, you know, build those things. So um, I, I am just curious how in the season of parenting for the two of you. I'm having a bit of a tough time. I've got kids 5, 8, 14, 18, and holy shit, um, everything feels hard. So Jody, I mean, do you have what's hard for you right now in this season of parenting? Do you have any advice for for moms like me? <laughs> oh, um, you know, I guess I just as our kids age, and again, like I, I'm still such a rookie in this game. I mean, our oldest is 13, but I feel like, I feel like, I am shocked at how much this the complexity there is in this role that they call mom. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think about being the mom to, you know, being first of all pregnant and then what it looks like to sort of be a mom to a newborn and a toddler. And then, you know, how that shifts. Um, intuitively those three are three required something very different from me at every stage and individually, but also as they continue to grow, I'm, I'm constantly like, are you fucking kidding? Oh, okay. And then there's also like that unrelinquished sense of like how amazing they are, um, you know, in, in other seasons. And I'm just, I'm just really blown away at how complex it is, how exhausting it is, Mm -hmm. how nobody really captures that. And maybe they do. I just don't listen. And maybe they do. And I just think it wasn't going to be me. Um, I watch, you know, as our kids age, I watch, you know, the, the real, I think, you know, my biggest fear is not catching something is, is, is losing them before their mm-hmm. time. Um, and I, and I just, as they get older, the realness of that, like I was often worried about my babies dying because it was going to be something that I, you know, didn't catch or their illnesses or like all those kind of things. And now I'm just like, it's amazing how much fear I hold in my body around. Um, am I present enough? Am I giving them the best experiences? What did I do to get them to feel this way? Or what didn't I do? And really, I think the biggest season that maybe I don't offer myself enough, but that I really talk to other parents about often is really how much it helps to just give yourself some grace Mm -hmm. and how really low (laughs) the bar is and how really great we do with our children that we often don't give ourselves enough credit for. Like if anybody else who means something to you were to describe you as a mother um, what would that sound like? And I think that's the voice that mm-hmm. I need to listen to a lot, right? Because I'm so hard on myself and I question, you know, I can, I can 
talk the talk, but I don't walk it or um, how yeah. could I have yelled at my daughter that way? Or how could I have grabbed her, you know, Asher's arm like that? Or fuck when I said that to her yesterday and she, you know, like, God damn it, did I miss that? And like, what about, and like, you know, I think I spend a lot of time in my head about those things. And I think, again, then I really think about like how resourced we are and how lucky our kids are and like all those kind of things. And I think the constant battle that there is in this world of parenting, there just isn't enough conversation about that. And maybe conversation isn't what we need. Maybe it's like normalizing that we need more of, but it is the hardest fucking gig on the planet. And I, um, I'm shocked by that every day. Feeling a little teary. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Marty. So how, I mean, how, um, how do you go through the hard days, the hard parenting days? Like, what do you lean on? How do you, how do you do it? <laughs> if your oh. eyes could pop out of your head right now, they would. <laughs> <laughs> the hard days are hard. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like we all go through our own things with our kids and our kids all go through their own things individually. So when you have multiple, it's makes it very exciting. Um it's so hard. I think the hard days, do you know what? I think, do you know how sometimes when say your spouse is gone and I know lots of people, single parent and they're fucking superheroes to me, but when you, they go away and you are in the zone for being the only parent there, you feel like you're on a roll. Like it's almost easier sometimes when you're there by yourself because you got it you got things down pat. Um, I think when I have hard days, I kind of go into that mode of, okay, um, head down. And Jody knows I do this a lot. It's head down. It's almost a survival mode just to get to mm-hmm. the end of the day so that I can talk to my husband, talk to a friend. Um, and honestly, <laughs> I, yeah, that is what I have to do. I have to let it out somehow, um, whether that's a good cry by myself in the bathtub or yeah, talking to someone, that's just how I do it. But to get through those days, lots of times it's head down until I can actually feel it. I also thought that like, I mean, I was on a locked psychiatric inpatient unit for almost a decade. And so seeing some of the most dysregulated babies or the ones that were hurt the most, it shocks me how close my kids are just like that how many seasons I get into, like, I look just like those moms that I sat with. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I, and that I judged, you know, like, oh my God, how did you not know where your kid was? Or like, how did this baby develop such an anxiety disorder? And you weren't even like, where did this come from? I mean, that's the thing I say all the time. It's not like what's wrong with you is what happened to you. And so when I'm looking at my own kids, I think, what the fuck did happen to you? Mm -hmm. And I'm in charge of that. So like, what the fuck happened to me? And I think it's like, it's, there's such a story in that, which really causes, you know, so much, I think, um, blame and shame and guilt in our own ways um, that I wish wasn't that way. There's such a need for reflection as parents. Mm -hmm. There's such a need for grace in terms of we've come from one generation where things were done entirely differently. Uh, Our kids have so much access to information that we never did. They're so much wiser and connected in ways that we don't have a script for. And so I think that the why, like what happened to you is often like, I wasn't there enough, or I fucked this up, or I should have been better, or I didn't. And we forget all of the other 
things that are on our plate and the judgments that are then coming by our foremothers, our forefathers that are like, mm, that's not how I did it. Or mm, uh, you should be doing this a little bit. Mm. And like, it's like, okay, so we don't have anybody to lean on necessarily. And our babies will struggle just the same as everybody else's. We are not exempt. I expected I would be exempt to some of this because I'm a psychologist. I expected because I've provided our kids with some well-being and some things like, like, and I think that's the point. Like, I just really think like the more we talk about it, I think I still feel like, like, how does my son have an anxiety disorder? How is my baby on medication at nine years old? Like, what the fuck did I do yeah. here? that that did this so wrong and it's like okay wow mm -hmm. we would never ask that if our kids have diabetes or cancer mm -hmm. i mean we may we'd be like genetically how did we get here like all those kind of things but like the, the point is so much more around the response to it and we get so debilitated when we spend a massive amount of time in i caused this i created this i fucked this up versus i am the solution in this process, which then results in so much more regulation. And my baby needs me. I mean, I, I say this to Marty quite a bit, like how, and she says this to me too, how lucky our children are to have us. And that's a hard thing to hear, but I'll tell you when I can say to Marty, your babies are so lucky to have you, you, you know, like I can see how hard that is to even integrate, mm -hmm. particularly in a hard season when she says to me, you know, like, I'm so glad Libby chose you. Because I mean, our, my daughter in particular is like a spicy meatball. And I think, you know, when somebody says that to me, I'm so glad that she chose you. It's like what I need to hear because I spend a lot of time going like, what the fuck am I going to do? Or I don't know. Like when she's screaming kids these days is a lie in Walmart. And I'm like, I think she's right. I think she's fucking right. Mm -hmm. Like story, you should have probably chose somebody else, you know? How many times do people think like that? And how powerful can we be as women to be able to really just sink into each other and be like, hey, man, so normal. Mm -hmm. It's going to be like, listen, they need you and your regulation. End of day. That's it. And if you want to get dysregulated, come over and let's have some wine. We'll figure it out and let's get back in the game. Yeah. All they need is regulated us. Their job is to be assholes. Their job is to push limits and boundaries. Their job is to experiment with their bodies and how they show up in the world and what they do. Our job is to say, okay, yeah, let's figure this out one more time. Yeah. Mm, wow. And in our heads, we're going to be like, but it is this process of the, where do I want you to try on things in this world? In these four walls. Yeah. I just have to be prepared for it. Right. So we have this expectation. This is, this is the mantra in our head it should be seen and not heard. Okay. So we expect that our, we are being successful when our kids are regulated and engaged and kind and polite and using their manners and just so lovely. And of course that is good. I love it when Asher's like introduces himself to somebody or, you know, comes up with a funny statement. And I, you know, I'm so proud of Evan when he's like, you know, whatever. Libby does whatever, but I'm also shifting the narrative so much that I'm equally as proud when they're assholery-ish. Mm -hmm. I'm equally as proud when they're like, I feel super anxious, mom. I don't think I'm going to be able to do this today. Right. And, and mostly that would be a debilitating, like, fuck no versus okay. Right. Like, give it to me. Can you imagine mm -hmm. if we change the narrative of parenting to be like, yes, I come on. Right. And I think that's really the, 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 conversation that we would have so often on the unit, which was easy when I was talking to somebody else's parent about their job 
is to get emotionally dysregulated. The chaos is necessary to learn the calm. Yeah. And some of that chaos is going to come in different seasons and different times and different looks. And I think the story we tell about that chaos, it's our fault. They're damaged. We created this, whatever that is, really defines then how we respond. And that it's not about necessarily that it's about how we respond that matters the most. And so that conversation around, oh, 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 bring it. They're the luckiest to have you. Come on, mama. We can do hard things. If this is it, we got it. You got us. And I think the more conversations we have with the people that we trust the most in those really hard seasons becomes important because we think nobody else is dealing with anxiety in their house. We think nobody else is dealing with ridiculous fears. We think nobody else is dealing with like, yeah, I don't know, their kids being bullies. I mean, I I worry about my kids being bullied. My my kids are assholes sometimes. All of our kids are going to be assholes, P.S. And when we can be like, okay, this is, look at my eyes. Let's figure out how we talk about this, right? Like, I think that's that's the piece. And um, I I remember that maybe 20% of the time. The other 80% of the time is I'm wondering about how much I'm fucking them up and how much they're terrible and like what I didn't do for them and like all those things. I have learned so much from both of you. And I want to know before we wrap up here, um, what is something you're checking off your bucket list in 2024? Because the podcast has been amazing. I can, I have listened to every episode. One of my favorites was Mallory Speaks. Jay's, I just loved, loved that episode. But I am so uh, like, what's ahead? What's on the bucket list for 2024 for each of you? That's a good question. Joe, do you want to go? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, so I think that um, this is interesting. We, you know, Marty says this often, but like for me, this is a season of permission to rebuild. And we, you know, last season we did a book tour. Well, we, we launched a book, we went on a book tour and we started a podcast. And this is a year where we have full permission to create and rethink and renegotiate. And I mean, I'll still continue to speak and we'll still continue to travel. I mean, this is so cool. Like even in our quiet days, we're still, you know, doing the things we love the most. Um, but I really love to consider this season. Um, the next big bucket list is to really learn how to be in a season of, of recreating instead of um, output. Oh, I love that. And I'm with her on this journey. So <laughs> that's exactly what we're doing. You're driving um, this journey is really how it goes. Yeah. Pretty exciting. I am really, really excited just to sink into really develop our vision. And we all, like Jody said, we've been through this like eight times, but the vision always changes slightly. Um, our values always change a little bit more because we are always learning and evolving. And so I am really excited just to give ourselves permission just to kind of go along with what we're doing and build our foundation super well this year. So yeah, it'll be I'm, great. I'm so excited to see what's ahead. And I'm so grateful that the two of you joined me today, heart to heart. Thank you so much. You're so inspiring. And um, I'm just grateful to know you both. Thank you, Laura. Yeah. Thank you, Laura. You got this, Mama. We all do. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Connection, conversation, and community are the foundations of healing hearts. I will forever be grateful to those who sat heart to heart with me in my hardest days to ride out the dark until I found light again. Thank you for being a part of this Heart Talk community. You can follow more on Instagram at lauralawrence.author or head over to lauralawrence.ca for more connection and resources to help you on your journey. And until next time, 
Stay close to things and people who feel most right and light for your heart.